Welcome to the Cattle Call Podcast. Today, we are calling Dr. Fernanda Ferreira. Dr. Ferreira is an assistant cooperative extension specialist in population health and reproduction. So let's go ahead and call Fernanda. Hello, Fernanda. Hi, Pedro. How are you? Very good. How are you? I am very good. Is it a good time for a call? Sure. It's always a great time for a cattle call. Great. Thank you, Fernanda. Thank you. I appreciate your, your being our call today. Let's go ahead and get started with two quick questions that you cannot miss. Those are the questions that you should answer right. And after that, you can answer anything that you want to. So awesome. to, our, to our public to get to know you, I just want to ask you where you're from and what do you do today? I am originally from Brazil. I am a veterinarian. And today I am a, an assistant cooperative extension specialist at UC Davis at the School of Vet Med. And uh, my, my field of expertise is herd health and management. Great. So you work a lot with dairy cows and herd management, correct? Yes, correct. And I'm very interested in the economics of the, the production systems as well. So not only trying to improve management, improve herd health, but also trying to do that in the most profitable way. Great. So Fernanda, growing up in, in Brazil and now living here in California and working with dairy cows, I always like to ask our guests uh, how they decide to work in, with cattle and how did you end up in, in vet school in Brazil and how was your career path? Could you share that with us? Sure. And uh, I always get a little bit sentimental when I talk about that because it's like a flashback going through my mind. But I grew up in a big city in Brazil. For you to have an idea, it's, it's Belo Horizonte. So it's uh, now it's more than 4 million people there. And that's where I was born. And when I was nine years old, because of my father's job, we moved to a very small town in the countryside of Minas. And the town is very well known by their dairy products. So it's a dairy region. I spent a few years there. From there, we moved to another town, Passos, where they have a lot of large dairies. They produce a lot of corn in their region and a lot of uh, swine too. And then my best friends, her dad was a dairy producer and a swine producer. So then I, I had the pleasure to spend a lot of time, a lot of vacation, weekends on the dairy. And I fell in love. I've always loved animals, of course. And then that's when I decide to go to vet school. That's pretty good. One of my best friends actually happened that with him as well. So we can see how good friends can influence our lives. It's very interesting. So you grew up in a big city, but moving to different places and being around agriculture, that's where you start your, your passion, right? Yes. And I think it's super important because... For instance, if we think about the U.S., we know that only 2% of the U.S. population is somehow involved with agriculture. And if you really, but everybody eats, right? So everybody is connected to agriculture, no matter what you eat or what you dress. Somehow you're connected to agriculture, but I think a lot of people are completely, although they're connected in a sense, they are completely disconnected in another sense. So I think it's really important for us to not only, you know, do what we do and in our industry, but also try to reach out and to make people that are not really living agriculture on their daily basis, but really make them understand and maybe fall in love like I did. That's an awesome point, Fernanda. I agree with you and we can 
see, even though it's a great point that you mentioned that only 2% is directly involved in agriculture, but we all are dependent with agriculture. Uh, especially now, time that we're living right now, the pandemic and everything, we yeah. can see that people who work in agriculture, they couldn't stop. We cannot stop. We have to keep working and we have to give the value that those people deserve always. And that's great. And we are glad that you got your in love with that and now we're working. So when, <laughs> when you're deciding to go, was there any other option or you, you said, okay, I want to go to vet school. And when oh. you were applying, you went back to the big city, right? To yes. To your vet school in, in Belo Horizonte. Is that correct? Yeah. So actually I went back there to do high school because I wanted to be a vet and I my plan was to, to get accepted in that big one in Belo Horizonte. So I decided to go back. My family still lives there. My whole family lives there. So then that's actually when my whole family moved back to Belo Horizonte I, and then I did high school there and I never thought about anything else. Right before applying to vet school, I was very, because I've always liked mathematics and chemistry. I'm, I have a very strong quantitative background. So I struggled a little bit, you know, in my mind, I was like, ah, oh, but I, I love animals and I want to work with agriculture, but what about these? I really like, but it was just a little bit of internal conflict, but never ever thought about doing any other course. And I applied once at that time, there was not that many vet schools in Brazil. It was, I don't even remember, it was 1998 when I applied. So I'm glad I was, I was accepted. So after you started school, you always worked with cattle. How did that work? And how did you decide to go to grad school also? Another good question. When I started, I've always liked horses too. My dad had a horse. It was in a farm that still belongs to one of his good friends. And I'm like, oh, maybe horses. Let me understand how this horse world is like. I didn't like it at all. And I said, nope, horses just to enjoy and have fun during the weekends. I did a little bit of internships, maybe six months, maybe less than that with small animals. Because since I was born, we've had all sorts of animals in my house. So just to get to know, but always interested in production. So then I did an internship with dairy and I really liked, but I also did an internship with swine and I fell in love. And then after that, when I was almost finishing my vet school, I did an internship with poultry. And then I really fell in love. I loved how, especially in Brazil, Brazil is the largest producer and exporter of poultry in the world and how the industry was organized, everything was measured, everything was They had the objectives, they had to reach that objectives. Everything was fast because, you know, one full cycle was, what, 45, 47 days at the time. I just loved all that. And when I was in my fourth year, I talked to a professor. He was a poultry science professor. And he said, well, I have a, a research project. If you want, you can lead that. And that's when I started doing research. And I really fell in love. And that's how I ended up working with production research. He invited me to work with him. Uh, during my master's and that's what I did. That's a great point. So today you work with cows, but you did your master's with poultry, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. And And I'm sure, like you said, it's such a dynamic system and you like math and that probably actually helps a lot in the work that you do today that we're going to talk in a little bit. Now is the question that I'm keeping asking, how did you end up in work with cattle? And was that when you came to the US or you actually worked with cattle before? Yeah, so my career path at some point, it took a turn from poultry and swine because I worked with swine too and from poultry and swine to dairy. Here's what happened. I did my master's and when I was probably a year and a half after 
I started my master's before finishing it, I applied for a position with Cargo in Brazil and uh, they hired me. So I actually started working for Cargo with poultry before even finishing my master's. So it was very, oh my gosh, I learned so much. It was very good. To me, it was like a new world opening in front of me. I was working as a technical manager. So it was basically providing technical support to the people in the field and to our clients. And that's when I learned a lot. We are technical people, right? So we tend to go to the farms with this feeling, oh, I know this, but actually they know a lot too. And sometimes we don't know. The problems that we face, sometimes we have never even thought about it when we finish even grad school. Oh, yeah. I learned, yeah, so that was great. Then after working for Cargo for about three years, I was invited to work for one of the largest food companies in Brazil. We call it integration, but it's called Rio Branco Alimentos. The commercial name is Pifpaf, probably some of the people if you are Brazilian, you've heard about it. And they produce poultry and swine. I was responsible for the nutrition management, poultry and swine operations. It was a lot of work, but I also learned a lot. And that's actually when I really learned how important economics is. Because every single decision from buying a nutrient, from buying a, a feed component, from deciding on a vaccination plan, how important this is. Also, it was when I was exposed to practical epidemiology because in combination with the health team, we had to design health programs, but also show the economic feasibility of these programs. And that was really interesting. And then after that, I started working. Oh, and at the same time, I had my own consulting company. Yeah, that, that was the, the fourth step. So I had a consulting company with a friend and we were, my part was basically I was applying to other clients while I was learning uh, at PIFAF. And uh, that, after that, I started working for the Brazilian Agriculture Research Corporation, Embrapa. And that's when I started working with dairy. And yeah, and here I am. Okay, so finishing school, going to a master with poultry, working for a big industry, then work for another big industry. Then you switch everything, went back to work for a government company, and then started to work for dairy. Is that correct? Yes. That's a great plan. So how did you end up in the U.S.? In 2014, I decided that it was time for me to get a PhD. I wanted to do more research on the economics. And until I only really learned that there was a field of really looking to economics of farm management when I was at Embrapa. Before it was more learning from, you know, I was not really refining the techniques that I was using, the economic techniques that I was using. I was learning from the others or sometimes using techniques that they had been used since some time, I don't even know. But then I got really interested in the how to do research using economics. And I was already working with dairy. And in 2014, I came to the US to do my PhD with Albert de Vries in, in Florida, University of Florida. And in Florida, you also work with, with economics. And that's, I assume that's what you keep doing today. It's very interesting, Fernanda. One, I just took note here that how much you repeated the, the word learn. It's amazing. I think it's very good. And I feel the same. We finished school thinking that we know something and we realize that we don't know anything. And my dad always told me the first thing that you're going to realize is the first day 
that you get out of school is that you don't know anything. And it's amazing how much you mention the word learning. And it's really good to our listeners, especially the ones who are still in school, to be open-minded that they are going to keep learning always, always. We're still learning. So that's very good that you mentioned that. So to talk about learning, tell us what you're doing today in your current job and what are the things that you're learning. Can you tell us more about your team, your daily work? Sure. Yes, indeed, I agree with you. We, I think we'll never stop learning because the more we learn, the more we realize that there's more to be learned. So I think that's the beauty. If you really want to be a good professional, I believe, regardless of where you're going to work, if you really want to promote change and to help others through, you know, a product, through research, consulting, whatever, you have to keep learning because every day there's something new out there. So what we do here, we have a couple of different projects. All of them are applied research projects. So the way I am a cooperative extension specialist, so the way I define my research projects is, of course, based on my own interests. But also, and maybe more importantly, based on the needs of my clientele, which are the dairy farmers, or, you know, sometimes it's the public, but something related to dairy production. So let me give you a few examples. We have one project that is actually related to this picture behind me here. And, and uh, we'll, be talking, we'll be talking about that in our next episode. Okay, about that but you can, you can introduce the project right now. All right, awesome. So this project here, the idea for this project specifically, came after a conversation with Bill Verboot. He is the manager of Agritech. Agritech is one of the processing centers for the Dairy Herd Improvement Association data. So we had this awesome conversation. He has a lot of great insights. And he said, well, I'm very interested in learning what's happening with the breed here in California and who is breeding with what and then he provided me with a large data set I have a during my PhD I I learned how to do data management so that's how everything started and then we realized that there was a lot of opportunity to understand more about the economic opportunities of this project and that's that's how we ended up with this project I have a student working on this project so I'm not going to, to give spoilers I'll leave this for the next next episode. We have another project that also started from a conversation, this time with Marisa Silva. Dr. Silva is a veterinarian from the California Department of Food and Agriculture, and she is one of the leaders of the antimicrobial stewardship program. And in one of the conversations, we're basically discussing how important mastitis and mastitis management is to reduce or I would say to use more responsibly antibiotics in dairy herds. And then we decided to do an economic analysis and create some economic tools for farmers to decide if they have or not the opportunity to implement, for instance, a selective dry cow therapy program in their herds. So that's another project that we have. I also mentioned in the beginning that I, I really like math and I'm, I have a quantitative background, something that I really enjoy. So I'm very interested in how can we use data generated by precision device to make decisions in the farm. So we have one project where we are looking at activity and BEM rumination and trying to predict if a farm does not test the cows routinely for somatic cell count, if we can use this data to predict at the dry-off which cows are at a high risk and should receive antibiotics and which cows are at a low risk for mastitis 
and maybe do not need to receive antibiotics. So that's another project that we have happening here. But there are other things, but as you can see, the, these are the main ones and they're all applied projects. Very good. And we have similar positions and I also love working in, in applied research and like yeah. sure you interact a lot with producers, right? Mm-hmm. So my next question is, when you were finishing school, it was good that you, you had a background in Brazil working for the industry and everything, but was there any big challenge that you had when you were starting your current job? And also, was there any resource that you were looking for that helped you, maybe a mentor or something? And even before that, what are the things that you see as a challenge and how did you overcome that? Yes, definitely there were many challenges. And I think that maybe one of the biggest ones for me was to feel confident to walk into a farm, doesn't matter which species you're going to work with, and really having to solve the problem or help the farmer to solve the problem. In my mind, I was so insecure because I knew that I didn't know anything because when I was faced with the real world problems, I realized, oh my gosh, how I'm going to do that. And I was very insecure because in my mind, I thought that I had the obligation to know everything. And this was, this caused a lot of anxiety. So to me, that was maybe the, the biggest challenge was to calm down and understand that we don't have to know everything. It's very helpful if you know people who know a lot, so then you can, you're, you know, a call away from, hey, I have this challenge, help me with that. And then another person that, so today, if I had to say something that helped me back then, I didn't realize that, but helped me back then. And today, a piece of advice that I give is build relationships. Build relationships and reach out to people. That's the best way to feel confident because you know, nobody's ever going to know everything. Great. I 100% with you. It's a lot of the people that you know and you don't have to know everything. You need to know people who knows the question that people are going to ask. That's exactly. Very good. So what is the favorite part of your job and your least favorite as well? Is there any least favorite? Yes, the least favorite. And I'm, I'm not sure if you're going to agree with me, but... Even though I love math, the least favorite is to deal with Graham's budget. We were just talking <laughs> about this before, but to me, it's really challenging to manage funding from different sources that have different requirements, that have different level of flexibility on how can you use that money. But it's part of the part of our job. That's definitely my least favorite part of what I do. And I think my favorite part is that in academia, I think we have a lot of freedom, freedom to to discuss with producers, to read other other people's ideas, to go to people that are in the industry and understand their perspective in terms of product development, opportunities, technology that's being launched. And I think that's kind of, I feel my head sometimes as a pot, as a soup pot where you're mixing a bunch of ingredients and you have to come up with a meal at the end. And I really enjoy this process. Well, that's great. I, I totally agree with you. That, uh, it's funny. I was laughing because I asked a couple of professors when I came for my interview. And also when I started, what was the, the least favorite part of the job? And everybody said the paperwork that we, we are not trained in, in grad school. Definitely. But this is also a very good point. That's your favorite thing is this freedom that we have in academia. The, the thing to learn and, and build our own ideas and and build our program. I think that's that's a very, very good good point. Very good, Fernanda. I think we've had a very, very nice conversation. 
And I think we are going to now to try to learn a little bit more about you so our listeners get to know more who you are. And so the first question that I like to ask our guests is during grad school or even now in your current job, would you share a fun fact, maybe a weird request from a producer? or something that happened during your grad school, some sampling time or other things, just something fun that happened that you, you always like to remember and say, oh, I always will remember that. There, there's, a funny, uh, there's a funny story. So when I started working with poultry in Brazil, one of the regions in Brazil that, in fact, they are the second largest commercial eggs producers in Brazil. It's a small town in a state called Espírito Santo. And this town was colonized, you know, in the 50s when there was a huge immigration of European people to Brazil. They were colonized by a group of immigrants from northern, northern Germany. So they're all, it's, it's crazy because... To get there is hard. It's in the middle of the mountains. You have to drive through a very, you know, windy road from Vitória, the capital of the state there. It's probably 40 miles, but it's going to take you two hours to get there. And it's interesting because despite that, they produce a lot of eggs and distribute to the whole Brazil. And as you can imagine, the first time I went there, I was in love because it's a cute little town that looks like you are in Germany. It's all the architecture, the decorations, everything. And everybody's tall, blonde, and has blue eyes, which is You see these people in Brazil, especially in the South, but it's we are all mixed, right? So no, they're all tall, very white, blue eyes. And a lot of them, they still speak their, their dialect from the Pomerania region in, in Germany, where they came from. And I used to visit theirs there. So there were, the, the funny thing is that one day I was in one of these farms and I was actually doing some necropsies in some chickens and some hens. And um, the daughter of the producer, she was probably, I don't know, 16 or 17 maybe younger than that she came to me she touched my hair and she said your hair is so dark yeah i've never really touched a, a, such a dark hair and I, she was curious to to feel my hair because it was so dark and she was so funny and um, and then that's i was like wow it's the same country in the most uh, most developed region of the country and we still have this diversity diversity of people and cultures i thought it was it was really curious oh, i'm sure it was an unexpected request that you had in, in a yes <laughs> yes and i couldn't say anything because my hands were you know i was wearing gloves and i was doing the crops i couldn't say suddenly i felt somebody touching my hand And it was, and she was like, "Oh, that's so interesting." So I thought it was, I thought it was curious. It's fun, Fernanda. What is your favorite food? Oh, Brazilian food, of course. But more specifically, <laughs> we have a meal in my state that is chicken with okra, and that's my favorite meal. Yeah, because we cook a lot at home. So usually, when I'm really missing my mom's food, I just make this meal, and I'm like, "Ah, that that feels good." That's great. What is your favorite type of song? What is the song that you usually plays uh, in your car when you're going to the farm or something? Yeah, I like everything. It depends on my mood. I really like Brazilian country music. And the funny thing is that my husband is, is American, but he now he loves it too because I listen it so much that now he learned how to like it. I really like Bossa Nova. I like jazz. I listen a lot when I need to concentrate. I like to put jazz in the background. So, yeah. That's nice. Uh, one of our last questions is, or if you could go back and tell you yourself 
something when you're finishing school? Is there something that you would like to know back then that you know today? Um, I think, oh my goodness, in these years I've learned so much. So I think one thing that I, I mentioned this before already, but I was very um I had this anxiety inside me, maybe because of I was, you know, so insecure about what I knew, the people that I I was not I was not that comfort to reach out to people. I think that maybe the idea, I wish I was more, let me try to put this in, in better words, but I, I wish I was more calm to realize that what we need to solve a problem is out there. You know, we just need to go and find the pieces, find who knows what and come up with a plan. I think that would have that would have saved me a lot of nights without sleeping that I used to spend. I used to travel a lot, most of the times by myself and sleep a lot in hotels. But I think that this anxiety of, oh my gosh, what's going to happen tomorrow? What if I see an outbreak of a disease that I've never, ever heard about, you know, I think that, and that's okay. That's okay if you don't know. It's okay if you say, I don't know, but I'm going to talk to X, Y, and Z. And I think that would be my advice to myself. And at the end, everything will be fine. Just be honest, keep learning, and things will work out. Wow, that's a great message. Calm down a little bit, and, and things are going to be, be okay. Keep working, yeah. keep learning. Keep working, exactly. Keep learning. And things are going to be okay. That's good. So, Fernanda, thank you very much. But last uh, but not least, How can, can we follow your work? Uh, do you have social media, blog, website, something that our listeners can follow your work here at UC Davis? Yeah, so I have an Instagram page that I'm actually ready to post more things on that. It's at the Dairy Office. So the, the address is the Dairy Office. I try to post what we're doing here in there. I'm also almost done with my, my website and the idea is to post all the economic tools because every time we work with a tool, we try to make a user-friendly version of that in Excel and post it too. And uh, you can Google VMTRC, which is the acronym for Veterinary Medicine Teaching and Research Center. And if you Google my name, there will be a page and then you can click there and all the information will be there. Great. So Google Fernanda's name and, and find yeah. her contact information. And don't forget to follow the, the dairy office, right? Yes. We, we will leave in the subscription of this episode as well. Awesome. So Fernanda, I would like to thank you very much today. It was very, very good talking to you, knowing more about your career, all of the paths that you had during that time going to other species, coming back to cattle, going to different states in Brazil, different states in the U.S., your challenge. It's it's very, very nice. I'm sure our listeners will, will enjoy a lot. Next week, we'll be meeting again to talk about a specific project with the crossbred steers, mm -hmm. uh, which I'm very excited to do that. So stay tuned. Don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter. If you have any questions, you can, or comments or suggestions or feedback, You can send me a, an email in kettle call ucd at gmail.com or pcarvalho at ucdavis.edu. That's my email and my contact information. And I would like to thank you, Fernanda. Do you have any final message, any final words, Fernanda? Yeah, well, first, I'd like to thank you very much for the opportunity to share a little bit of, of my work and my own career path with you and with all your uh, listeners. 
And I just would like to give one more piece of information. So our group, the dairy group here in California, has a newsletter, which is the California Dairy uh, Newsletter. So if you Google that, you're going to be taken to a website with basically every uh, quarter, we summarize the research that is done by the dairy group and published on this newsletter. Great. So look for, for the dairy group here in California, subscribe to the Zoom their newsletter. I'm subscribed to it and they're always great information. Thank you very much, Fernanda. I hope you stay healthy and safe. And just a last question. Is it a good time for a call? Always a great time for a cattle call. Thank you, Fernanda. Thank you, Pedro. Bye.